You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the fabulous 54 Below. Before we get started this evening, just a polite reminder. Please take this moment to silence your cell phones. And also, there is no flash photography, please. Welcome to the 54 Below podcast. I'm Nella Vera, the club's director of marketing. Our guests today are two-time Tony Award nominee, Kate Baldwin, who is known for her roles in the classic musicals, Hello Dolly, Big Fish, and Finian's Rainbow, and Broadway and television star, Aaron Lazar, who's had memorable roles in shows such as The Light in the Piazza, The Last Ship, and on TV in Fox's Filthy Rich. Fresh from their critically acclaimed run in the Bridges of Madison County at the Axelrod Performing Arts Center in New Jersey, Kate and Aaron will perform songs from Bridges, reprising their turns as Francesca and Robert, while exploring other favorite roles from shows past, present, and future. Joining Kate and Aaron at 54 Below are groundbreaking maestro Luke Frazier and eight members of the American Pops Orchestra, which will make them one of the biggest ensembles to ever grace the stage at 54 Below. Kate and Aaron, welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. So welcome back. How does it feel to be back with a duo show? I know you both have done individual shows before. So what's different about this? Kate, have you ever done it? I've never done a duet. Have you ever done a duet show? Not at 54 Below. My husband Graham and I have done uh, duets shows around the country, usually at theaters where we've worked, but it's super fun because Aaron and I get to work together, you know, every 10 years. That's sort of been our trajectory. (laughs) We started in 2002 with a production of Harmony, which actually just enjoyed a very successful run off-Broadway directed by Warren Carlyle. And then we worked together 10 years later on an out-of-town production of Giant with Michael John LaCuso's piece. And then we were together 10 years later, which was this year, doing Bridges of Madison County. And we kind of just said, you know what? We like working together. Why wait another 10 years? Let's think of some songs we want to sing right now and hopefully cast ourselves in future productions. <laughs> Through the show, you'll see our wish list for how we'd like to be considered in the future. Do we like working together or is it really like, man, we work together and I got to wait 10 years before I work with Baldwin again. That was just... <laughs> That was a lot. This is the first I'm hearing of that, Aaron. I don't know. Do you need Do you need a breather? Am I rushing you? No, no. I could be I rushing you. you. And uh, no, I'm, I'm of course kidding. But yeah, we, we did Bridges a couple months ago. And I was like, Kate, it's too fun working with you. Let's keep going. Let's do something. What, what can we do? She's like, well, I'm going to go literally kick ass and karate kid musical. But right after that, I've got some time. Out. Let's do a show. Fantastic. So you met doing Harmony. Is that how you met? Or did had you known each other before? Aaron, I think you were fresh from school, weren't you? I was pretty fresh. 
I was super fresh. <laughs> I was fresh out of school and Barry Manilow and Bruce that were looking for a bass, you know, about the comedian harmonists were like the world's first boy band. And I was like, a bass? I was like, wait a second. I did not think basses were employable as uh, male voice parts on Broadway, but I sang bass in all my high school choirs and acapella groups and stuff. And so I stopped warming up and started smoking uh, a lot of cigarettes and lowered <laughs> the voice. No, I didn't smoke. I would never. I couldn't do it. I'm not one of those can you Can you smoke in a roll? I can't do it. I can't even smoke no. cigarettes. It like goes across my cords and then I cough. I can't sing. Yeah, no, I can't do any of that. I mean, I can drink a gin and tonic after every show and still, you know, sing the next day, but I can't. Like the true anymore. Irish lass that you are. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I was just in Ireland last month. And first of all, I've never seen so many redheaded women in my life. And also the amount of alcohol consumed by everybody around <laughs> me was insane. And both stereotypes are true of me. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, the score, The Bridges of Madison County has one of the most beautiful scores ever written. I mean, just stunning. Were you familiar with the show before doing this production? I saw it. I, I think I saw the closing night performance because as I was talking with Kelly O'Hara about preparing for this role, I said, hey, Kelly, when I saw the show, you stepped forward afterwards and you addressed the audience and you said something beautiful. I can't remember what it was, but you said something really lovely. She said, oh, I think I only did that for the final show. And so I think that's what I saw, the very last Broadway performance. But after that, I never really studied it or considered it as part of my things that I would like to do or would be considered for. And then this opportunity came up and Hunter Foster was slated to direct and he called me and said, would you like to do this? And I thought, you know, coming out of a pandemic where I'm just going to say, speak for myself, where I re- examined my love of musical theater and I thought about roles that I'd like to do and chances to take sort of got really excited about this production. Similar to Kate, I, I saw it on Broadway. I don't remember when. I thought it was just the most amazing score. And then I was asked to sing It All Fades Away at, at a dear friend of mine's wedding. And I remember being like, yeah, I, would love, I can't wait. Let me sing this song. And then I started to try and sing it. And I was like, oh my God, I can't sing this song. It's very hard. <laughs> and from that moment on, I sang it anyway. You know, did okay. But then I was like, listen, I really want to sing this score someday. So when the opportunity to play Robert and, and, you know, came up and then I was like, okay, this is great. This is an opportunity for me to get the voice back to tip top shape and then, you know, work with Kate and Hunter and Keith. And it's just awesome. So what were the challenges of singing the score or were you just in tip top shape and it was fine for the whole run? <laughs> no, I, I got into what I would call tip top shape. I mean, I got there, but it took like, all of rehearsal, it took like a month on my own before, and then all of rehearsal, which was all of what, two weeks. And then like the first week of the run to get the show in my voice. There's just a month for me, the way my voice works. Like I know there are people like Christine Ebersole. I remember seeing her and Michael Feinstein at 54 below and going back to talk to Christine after and being like, oh my God, you know, you sound like you are. 20 years old. It's amazing. She's like, yep, I know. And I never even have to warm up ever. Never have to. Never, never have had to and never have to. And I was like, oh my God. And Kate, did you find it also challenging singing? Oh my God, it's so intimidating. Are you kidding me? It's one of the great soprano roles. First of all, soprano roles are few and far between in modern musical theater. I'm going to say modern musical theater, just, you know, 
hopefully meaning anything past 1960. Because, you know, the soprano voice has sort of fallen out of fashion and everybody wants to hear a mixer or a belter. And I would consider myself a mixer, never a belter. But I started off, you know, in, in my voice training as a legit soprano. And so actually right before the pandemic, I was working on a show at Encores that was called Love Life. And Vicki Clark is the director. And the role uh, in Love Life was a legit soprano. And I went to Vicki and said, I don't know how I'm going to sing this anymore. I, I haven't sung this way in such a long, long time. And she and I did a few lessons just out of the grace and goodness of her heart and soul. She said, listen, you sing differently now than you did when you started, you know, when you were in college 20 years ago, 25 years ago now. So you should treat yourself differently too. Don't try and make a sound the same way you did then. Obviously, there are certain things that you always have to do, like breathe, but where you let it live in your body can be a different place. You don't have to work. What she was trying to tell me is I didn't have to work so hard to create the kind of sound and just sort of release and let it go and let it happen which was kind of an incredible thing to then carry over into working on a role coming out of the pandemic, just kind of letting it go. And whereas I think I spent most of the pandemic in the fetal position on the floor, <laughs> worried about everything, all of it, you know? And so this show and being with my pal, Aaron, and having the loving guidance of Hunter, and he, we have to talk about Keith Levinson too, who knows the score so well, was such a wonderful way to come back because it just felt so easy and comfortable and like, oh God, this is all what I've always wanted to do is play a part like this, do do work like this. And I just was so grateful the entire time and just, you know, had to like stop crying. I didn't want to, you know, cry through it because as my voice teacher in college always said, you can either cry or sing, you can't do both. And that's exactly how she talked. She never needed to warm up either because her voice was like that. No, it's amazing. Well, I, I love hearing her impression. You did. You talked about her during our run because that's exactly right. How do you sing that Jason Robert Brown score and be emotional and cry? And then Jason's wife, Georgia Sitt, came to see the show. She's your good buddy, Kate. And I remember saying to her, like, it's just so great to, like, sink my teeth into this score. And she's like, yeah, Jason really wrote these parts so that actors kind of had to give everything they've got in order to sing them. Like, they're not easy. And for me, it was, I don't know, some people can just wake up in the morning and sing a score like that. But I, as you know, roles that I played on Broadway went from sort of a lot of songs and singing through a show, whether it's Piazza or Les Mis, to, you know, you're doing Evan Hansen, you sing one song other than some ensemble stuff. And so keeping the voice in a place where you can sing a score like Bridges eight times a week or whatever, that was a one of the fun challenges of taking on the job. And so I'm, I'm grateful that I got there and, uh, and Kate made it look easy, right? Which is why I was, you know, sarcastically shaking oh. my head. It's like being an athlete, you gotta get in training. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, and just to be very clear, I started working on it on the score three months before we went into rehearsal because I knew that I, I needed the, I needed to arrive, you know, day one, knowing my stuff and not have to yeah. worry about learning it at that point. I know so many people who saw it, and of course, I was away most of this month and was so heartbroken because the story, it's, I think, you know, I read this book when I was very young and I loved it, but I think being this age, that story is, you know, so resonant. And I think coming out of a pandemic, even more so, this mm -hmm. story about you got to grab life and it's so emotional and everybody that saw it of course is my age and took the train out to new jersey 
and they were like raving about it. And, you know, we're so excited that your show's coming back. But I, I do think that it has such a powerful story for this time. I don't know if you felt that at all when you were doing it, but, you know, kind of carpe diem. Yeah. I had a friend come and say it really highlighted the idea of the transformational power of love, how love can transform a person from being, you know, in Robert's case, a hermit and a loner into somebody who is connected to the world. And in Francesca's case, a person who was disconnected from her past, from her roots, from her childhood, her family, and her sense of cultural self, for lack of a better way to put it, and to be seen and heard and understood in a way that she had missed for you know 30 years. So yeah, the transformational power of love was a huge one. And I think we all transformed throughout the pandemic, right? We had a couple of different opportunities to think about who we are, where we're going, and what we want our lives to look like. I know I certainly did that investigation. I think so many actors and so many of us who are artists and artist adjacent do that as well. You know, when we think about what the future should be, could be, and, and how to be a part of the changes that, that need to happen, that need to come to light. I know you're probably going to talk about this in your show, but is there another show that you would both love to do together? There's a few. Sweeney Todd. I've always wanted to do Sweeney Todd. And I was like, Kate, I know that like you might think I'm crazy for saying this, but Kate's hilarious. And I was like, Kate, you've crushed Mrs. Lovett. She's like, yeah, actually, I'm at the end of that. Amazing. What other one, Kate? Yeah, I think we should do Follies at some point, too. That's not as hilarious. That's more of a <laughs> sad kind of thing. I remember seeing Follies when I was in high school because my boyfriend at the time ran the spotlight for the community theater production of Follies. And I was like, ooh, a Sondheim show. Great. I'll come and sit up the, in the spotlight with you and watch the show. And I was like, first of all, how come there aren't any dance numbers or like not enough dance numbers? Finally, what are all these old people crying about? What's the big deal? And then the revival <laughs> happened on Broadway with Bernadette and Ron Raines and Danny Burstein and Jan Maxwell, all of whom I just love and adore. And Graham and I went to go see it and we turned to each other at intermission. I was like, I know why the old people were crying now. I get it. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Well, you still have a few years before you can do that. So, you know, we'll, f well find some you. other shows to do and then in about 20 or 30 years, you all can do Follies. <laughs> That's what I love about a Sondheim show is like, you know, you look at the at the characters that he's written for and there's always one that could apply to where you are in your life. And that's on my list for sure. So I'm going to ask a question for our musical theater nerds that are listening, which, by the way, this is 54 Below Sopranos never go out of style here. Yay. <laughs> so, so, you know. That's just even more appreciated. We talked about Bridges having one of the most beautiful scores of all time, but Aaron, one of your earlier shows had a score that is just as beautiful and iconic, right? You did Light in the Piazza. Do you remember that experience? Because I remember seeing you on posters around my neighborhood here in Lincoln Center. And how was that? Yeah. Well, first of all, isn't everyone listening right now, a musical theater nerd? I hope so. <laughs> yeah. How many CDs did you have of... Broadway musicals when you were 20 because I had like the books like books 300 books. too many <laughs> yet yeah, do I remember it nah kind of <laughs> I wish somebody would remind you know it was no big deal no big deal yeah I, rem I remember it too well right it's like one of those shows that it's one of the greatest things I've ever been a part of and so it, it haunts you too because you're like 
man, will I ever do something that good again? Like, I really want to. It was just, it was formative for me. The, the, the funny story about it was that I had auditioned for it a couple of years prior when it was going out of town originally. Because it went, it started out of town, I think, in Chicago and then went to Seattle and then came in. And I remember auditioning for it. And I was told that I was I was too old for it originally. And then three years later, got cast in it. So that, that was funny. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I just, it's one of the first times in my professional career where I felt like I, I could lose myself in a role and that, you know, this is sort of what I'm meant to be doing with my life. And I kind of had known that inside myself, but had never had the opportunity to sort of live it until Piazza. So it was just a big turning point for me. It helped establish me as someone Broadway could rely on. And yeah, I made incredible friendships. I remember going to see you in it. I remember like making the trip to go like see you in it and Katie Rose Clark. Well, you've both done so many musicals and some of them didn't, you know, go to Broadway. Is there a show that you really regret that wasn't seen by more people? You know, yeah. I mean, I love everything that I've ever worked on and I love it when people, you know, I'm at the stage door for something like Hello, Dolly, which had a nice healthy run or something like that. And they say, you know, I loved seeing you in John and Jen, which was a tiny two-person show that we did off Broadway back in 2014. Just me and Connor Ryan playing siblings and also playing mother and son in the second act. It's a wild show that way. And, you know, it was so tiny. We didn't even wear microphones. It was just piano and cello accompanying us and just the two of us doing make-believe on stage pretty much the entire time. But when somebody says, I know that recording, or I, I saw the show and it it spoke to me, or I brought my son or my brother, or I called my mom afterwards, that's when I go, oh, it did. You know, the people that it did reach, it, it made an impact. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Wish, I wish that it had a longer run. I wish Superhero at um, Second Stage had had a, a longer life because that was something I cared about deeply too. It was a Tom Kitt musical, John Logan musical from 2019. that had a really cool idea. I don't know if you got to see it, but I thought the idea behind it was cool. And Bryce Pinkham was just fabulous. And this young man, Kyle MacArthur, who played my son, again, was a son. I, I always have sons. Including <laughs> my Daniel LaRusso right now too. Oh, Yeah. I, I loved Jen and John. I didn't see Superhero, but I did love Jen and John. It was so cute and wonderful and touching and sad and every everything. How about you, Aaron? Do you have a show that you wish had gotten more exposure? I didn't continue with Giant from Dallas onto the public, but I, I loved doing it. I mean, I just thought it had everything and that sticks out as something, that, you know, a role I would love to play again and I wish more people could have seen it. That was on my that was on my list for both of you actually because I actually saw it in Dallas because I was working at the public I was the marketing director at the public when Giant started but I ended up leaving halfway through the run and I saw it in both places and I just thought this is wonderful and then you know as life in the theater is you just don't know what's going to move on and what doesn't and what producers yeah. and their planning things what they decide and it was just um it was it was truly beautiful it was so fun seeing it in Dallas though because you know they're like their own country in Texas and the audiences were so different there well for sure i mean a group of new yorkers coming to texas to do a show about texas i mean my yeah. my cousin's from Austin. He was like, wait a minute, you're going to come here and teach us about ourselves? I don't think so. So it was very much like, I still remember Greif coming, Michael Greif coming backstage 
at intermission during our first preview, Aaron, I don't know if he knocked on your door, but he knocked on mine. Intermission. He's like, hi, how you doing? I was like, are you here to give me a pep talk? Because no one's responding to anything <laughs> that you do. He's like, maybe. <laughs> I was like, I know. I'm, I can feel it. I, they're not buying what we're selling and it's okay. <laughs> I get it. It's okay. I don't, yeah, I don't remember that. No. I also like that. When I'm like, that challenge, I'm like, bring it on, man. It was the same thing, you know, with Piazza. It's like if, if Italian people, real Italians, don't believe that I'm an Italian, then I'm not doing my job. So I was like, I will play a Texan so that if Tommy Lee Jones was married to Matthew McConaughey and they were sitting right there in the front row, they'd be like, that guy, he is a Texan. <laughs> You know, I have a funny story about that because my Texas cousin, Bill, who's born and bred Austin, he came to see the show and he'd only ever seen Finian's Rainbow as well. And I was quizzing him about Giant and I said, did it seem authentic to you? Did it seem like we were really Texan? And he had one little quibble. I said, did the story make sense to you? And he said, well, it made a hell of a lot more sense than that leprechaun show you did. <laughs> 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 that's hilarious. Which you were brilliant. Hilarious. I remember seeing you in that. That was amazing. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Aaron, you seem to be balancing a career in TV and film with a lot of music gigs. You know, Aspen Music Festival, and you did Love Actually Live, which is, I can't believe I was not able to see that because it sounds amazing. You know, you're doing like American Pops concerts for PBS and all of this stuff. And so you're doing TV and film, but you keep coming back to the stage. Is that something that you're, you know, consciously committed to keep doing or you're just kind of like going with the flow or, you know, do you want to keep coming back to the stage as often as, as you are? Yeah, I love it. It's my first love. And um, I don't think there's anything quite like it, right? You know, a great show with a great group of people on stage live. It just feels like home. I mean, I've been doing it a long time. I've been, I've been on stage consistently since I'm 15 years old, but I started probably when I was nine. So it's just something that feels like it's part of why I'm on the planet, this, this life. Yeah, I love it. I lived in New York for almost 15 years and then moved to Los Angeles about six years ago and, you know, have been 
fortunate to do some state, you know, do some theater out here, but there's not, obviously there's, it's not Broadway. There's not a lot of it. So yeah, I'm back and forth to New York and forward to being back this summer and singing with Kate 54 below. And then we'll see. I mean, it's just, it's just nice that in this post COVID, if that's what we're calling it world, that the theater is coming back and hopefully Broadway will be back and better than ever this fall. And yeah, I love it. Final question. What can audiences expect from your show coming up? Great singing, great songs. Full frontal nudity. <laughs> Whatever sells tickets. That's it. We just sold out. Whatever, whatever sells tickets. That's right. <laughs> uh, what, if we, what if we did that? We were just like, yeah, it's full frontal nudity. And then we just, you know, the day before we're like, actually, we, we're not going to do it. But we had already sold it. Like, just sell, let's just sell it out. Let's just give the people what they want. Do you think people would boo us? Do you think people <laughs> that's what I was going like, to say. Like, I, just, really I, don't know. I don't know who wants to see us naked. How did you make the decision to have this incredible band with so many musicians? Usually, you know, we top out around five at 54 Below. Again, for me, it came down to just how many naked bodies do people want to see on stage? So <laughs> these musicians, these oh, musicians boy. were like, we're willing to do it. Oh, boy. Uh, Kate, is now, Kate is now like, I think I have plans July 19th through the 23rd. I'm not available I'm not anymore. Available. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Well, we're so excited to have you. I mean, the amount of public sentiment and, you know, messages that we've gotten about your show. And it's pretty incredible, especially from people who saw the run of Bridges of Madison County. So we're very excited to have you. Again, thank you so much for joining me. I know we're short on time, so I'm going to let you both go. But I'm going to remind everybody that you are playing at Fine Science 54 Below on July 19th through 23rd at 7 p.m. and that they can get tickets at 54below.com. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun <laughs> to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Nella. We look forward to seeing you then. Yes, I'm going to stay hydrated. And thank you, Nella. And thanks, Kate and everybody. And Kate, we got to go learn our lyrics now. Let's do this. You've been listening to the 54 Below podcast, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.